street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. episode of S my best friends in the world Linda Mako how are you doing hello Tyrone it's so nice to see you it's so nice to see you Ben I'm doing great I have perch on my um, kitchen cabinets today as one would in Finland it's the most ubiquitous fish in the Baltic Sea very nice I really did review begins <laughs> and Ben Diesel, the man oh. that I'd never consider that Africa could get as cold. All I know about Africa is the Lion King and green tea leaves for the most part. But it gets like really, really cold over there too, even during the winter. And it's not, winter right not, now, even though it's summer. Super right? cold. It was it was weird today. For the very first time, I saw a photo of a lion in snow, which was just like, what the hell is oh. happening? <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I think I've seen snow once in my life in Pretoria, so it doesn't get that bad. Okay, winter is coming for us all, it sounds like. And I'm Ty. I'm all, we all round out league, and we're all doing pretty good. Um, how about we go into a little nice brief rapport building session that I like to call Belinda's and Ty's Excellent Weekend. <laughs> Linda, how was your excellent weekend? My excellent weekend was really nice. Relaxing. I was hanging out with my husband for the most part. And um, so we were really relaxing, walking outside for walks and um, watching movies. And the highlight was the Tanachos. Tanachos? What are these things? Yes. Tanachos is my invention. It is a cross <laughs> between <laughs> tacos and nachos. At least I think it's my invention. No, that sounds cool. What do they look like? Do you have pictures that we can make and have you patented this already? I'm taking notes right now. Where's my note? <laughs> I don't have pictures right here available. There's an echo somewhere. Is that me? No. So you're saying it's a cross, it's a perfect blend between nachos and tacos, or does it lean more to one side than the other? Um, it's a perfect perfect blend because what or maybe it leans a little bit more to nachos it depends on how you look at it because them up with thickly layered okay you get a perfect bite and it's like a huge nacho <laughs> but it's no longer a taco because it's not folded i have sent me a picture of this yeah, and please. i told her she is going to uh offend your sensitive american sensibility side because there was no cheese on those nachos <laughs> There was Can no you, cheese. There Wait, was there's no nacho cheese, right? Mm, there is, and there is nacho cheese in Finland. And um, I have made nachos with um, nacho cheese or the cheese sauce, which isn't cheese, by the way. <laughs> Whatever. But these were um, just with like sour cream to nachos. Sometimes I like the lighter variety. Mm. Very interesting. Looked very good. I do believe that uh, Mexican food, or at least Subway sandwiches, are the perfect food in that all you have to do is keep your mouth open, and it's already cylindrically you know, positioned to just be stuffed into your mouth. All you got to do is push and chew. Push and chew, baby. 
Ben, how was your excellent? It was so good. Um, went out to do some AC Saturday morning. It was still nice and warm. Uh, it's school holidays now, but uh, luckily I got a couple of students who were still doing supplementary exams. I felt so sorry for them, but uh, we had a bunch of good talks. And uh, it was just so good. I kept st stuck around for like three hours and was about to pack up. And one guy came past and I said, okay, cool. This is going to be my last talk for the, the day. And it ended up lasting two hours. My bad guy, it was just, and it was very cool. Very, very nice guy. Name was Prince. Um, yeah. And at the end, I had to tell him, listen, let me go buy you lunch and go drop you off at home just so that we could get out of this. But yeah, it was very cool and a bunch of very nice talks that, that I hope to release soon. Nice talks that, that I hope to release soon. Did you go from a complete stranger to a friend that you're now going out to eat lunch with? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, I was hungry. So I said, dude, let's go grab some lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he was very eating very uh, cool. to his sister's place and she was she actually lives close to where I live. So I said, let me give you a lift. So it was very nice. I had a good talk. Very, very cool. That sounds like an excellent weekend. My weekend wasn't that bad. I actually had a good time. My issue was I couldn't go do SC because it was raining outside. We had a lot. We have like a bunch of thunderstorms that are coming. We have a, a saying called April, June showers, and we're getting all of those now. The half marathon. I'm doing, oh, about nice. five, I'm doing a 5K about every day that I'm gone or out of work. And I started doing 5Ks after work too. Um, taking it really, really easy and trying not to break anything. Uh, and I think I made a mistake. Uh, here's the story. I ran out of gym clothes to wear. So I just started wearing like white t-shirts and going out running. That's a bad idea for when it rains. Cause then my white t-shirt got completely soaked and anyone who's gone to like a swimming pool in a white t-shirt knows what happens. You begin to see everything. <laughs> so I'm like about, a, yeah, I'm about two miles away from my house when it starts coming down and I'm sprinting to get back home. Like, I don't want to deal with this. So finally it starts hitting. And I'm like, there's no shelter. I might as well just start walking. Cause I hate the, I don't want to slip or anything like that. So I'm just walking and my shirt is just a complete, you know, one-to-one -one of like what's underneath it. And <laughs> in my head, it looks a lot better if I wasn't wearing the white shirt, but I don't want to, it's just this, it's a terrible fiasco of like chest hair and holes where my belly button is supposed to be. <laughs> And it's just not good for anybody. But I got home and I did my I did my pacings. I hit the pavement and I told my friend about it, who's like really good into like triathlons and stuff. And he started giving me his shirts for when he goes out running because he already got plenty of them. And he started giving me his shirts now. So I thought that's a really good motivator. Uh, thank you very much, friend at work who did that for me. And that was an excellent weekend. Okay, oh, great. I'm inspired to run now. We're about to go into my favorite section. You guys know what my favorite section is. I know what your favorite uh, section is. The love. My favorite section is, where is the love? The, the, love, the love, love, the love, the love. And this week, I will be reading the comments, the love that people have sent us, us um, after last episode, episode um, four. This is episode five. Um, we got some great comments. The first comment was from ngut, ngut40. Uh, says, great to see you again. Linda, I was waiting for you to jump up and put a chicken casserole into the oven or perch on your chair and peck at your microphone. They would never have picked up on it. Missed opportunities. 
So true. <laughs> and, and he's calling you out from the last event, in case anyone didn't miss the last episode. Uh, we, were, we Our secret word, or our bit for that day, was naming birds and sneaking into the competition. And for the first time in, in, in the league history, I feel like Linda got caught with her eyes open. She was just like, I, I, I got. I, I think you got really invested in the first part, and then just, oh, we're playing a game. I Being closed. You gave Ben and me the opportunity to catch up to you, and now we're on an even playing field. We'll get into it though. Yeah, I had to. I had to give you that one, Eric. <laughs> Sol Sulk, I think is it is it. Uh, it is said or pronounced, I hope, um, says, my favorite trio again together. Good episode. Aww, Thank you so much, nice. Eric. Thanks, and Eric. Then, I have felt nice a lot love. of love from Eric on uh, Twitter too, so thank you for that. Yeah. I really oh, appreciate the love. Uh, Count Money says, great talk, guys. Thank Thanks, you, Gal. Count Money. Uh, and Sambia Man says, again, a great video. What do you think about using a ring light, natural versus polished lighting? And I have to say, I don't know what a ring light is. Do you guys so, know? So if you're doing recordings outside or indoors, more much more better indoors, um, you want to make sure you have good video quality, and that relates to how you light up the environment. And so if you invested in good lighting, instead of like having a harsh light on one side of your face and then like nothing but kind of shadows on the other side, you can actually do fill lighting that more evenly lights up your entire body or face. And it just makes the video a bit more appealing, makes the people pop a little bit more than what, it makes them pop from the background just a little bit more. Mm. And so if that's something that's really cool, that's like, sounds like a legit option. And what's great is there's actually cheap means of getting uh, ring lights if you want them from Amazon, or you could even get like um, portable lights uh, mm -hmm. that you could just strategically place around your room or at an interview table and actually have the same effect. So yeah, that's actually a really good suggestion. Thank you. Yeah. Is yeah, a ring light cool. something that the uh, interviewee sees? Like, is it a light outside of the camera situation or? So you you could have something what's called a fill light behind the mm -hmm. person, but mm -hmm. typically you can see it. The people who are at the table can see it, but the okay. audience can't, Right. kind of cool. Mm. Cause I was just thinking if it's like cameras, light, action. Yeah. So tell me about your deeply held beliefs. <laughs> Welcome to my kitchen. <laughs> like, anyway. Um, maybe there's a reason we're using really small cameras. That's mm. what I was thinking. As All right, Linda. But we really appreciate the love and that ain't no lie. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. All right. So let's get into the bit before we get into the top of the show. The, top, the show's topic is going to be uh, what's the name of the title again? I loved it. Linda? Um, it is, uh, Holy Doubt, I'm Out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically a reference to what happens when people find out that you're an atheist and you need to, like, be able to express it to them. Or basically our personal, uh, deconversion stories of how we came out of religion and found something that was a bit more reliable to invest our time in. Um... We'll get into that, but first, let's get into our bits. The bit of the show is basically a game that we play. Uh, it works by what we'll do is um, we will sneak in a word that's based on a subject, and the subject is chosen at the beginning of the show. And the most pe and every single time you sneak in a word about that subject, you get a point. But you can also call out other people's sneaks and get their point too. And so it's like a fun little thing. The subject of today is clothes 
clothes. clothes. Yeah. So sneak in different articles of clothing, types of clothes, things like that into the conversation. Be on the lookout for it. Exercise those careful listening skills. And can, oh, go for it. Go for can it. Can it be clothing related words like Prada, Chanel? Yes. Yes, it mm. can be. I'm gonna throw it to I'm gonna throw that out there as well. Yes, absolutely. And I will say this as well. Um, we have a new little thing that we've been doing since the last episode called the sneaker card, which is whoever got third place last episode got third place. Oh, who, someone got third place. Who, who was, could that, that have been? Linda. It was me. Oh, oh, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank you, thank you for the points. But we now she'll have a sneaker card. She'll write down a word on her sneaker card. And she'll the audience in just a second. But if either Ben or I call out the word that's on her sneaker card, she steals points from us. Two points from us. It's a good way to get up. Plus, if she throws in her word, she gets two points. So she Sorry. could steal two. She could steal two points or get two points based on how she uses the card. Okay, There's could you guys look away and explain that one more time as I show this? And sure. I'll ask so, a question. So look we're away. away. We're look looking away. away. We so my down. Are we good? Amount. If you call them out, you get you not only get two points, but that person loses two points. You okay. stole their points. So I just but, call them out. I don't have to say it again or something like that. No, but okay. if you first use your sticker card to to say, hey, I wrote down this word and I snuck it into the conversation, you get two points. And everybody else gets to keep their points too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We'll, Is we'll there try any way I can do both? No, one at a time, you stinker. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's. So that's the show. Let's do a quick review of the score so far. Yeah. No, no, no. That's great. That's great. Very casual. And then we have Happy Humans, my team, the best at one point. Woohoo! So we're all Yay. tip on the board. This is going to be a great match. And let's just do the honors for ourselves. Um, the final thing that we have to do is just lock it in. Honor just to give to the people they talk to. Because uh, not everybody does this, but a lot of us go out and we talk to complete strangers about deeply held beliefs. So when you do that and you do maybe make somebody think about their belief, maybe is everything okay there? Something just... <laughs> we lost the fish, Linda. Oh no! <laughs> so, audience to the podcast audience, there's a bunch of fish that have been like, "Okay, we're we're good." So, yeah, um, I I personally feel a very strong um, responsibility to to kind of give people support if they do decide to to abandon their beliefs, if they do decide to maybe um, become an atheist, for example. So uh, Ty came up with this very cool idea that we should talk about ourselves coming out as atheists. And uh, I really like it because I think it's, it's such a, a positive thing to share with people just to make people understand, you know, you're not alone. It might be a terrible experience, might not be a terrible experience, but uh, we decided to share our stories. Uh, so to kick us off today, Ty, will you uh, do us the honor? Sure. Mine's really, really quick. Um, I gradually transitioned out of my faith. I was a Christian all the way up until like my first year of graduate school. So already getting my first degree in science, I still had a very strong cognitive dissonance. In my mind, it was just uh, God was why, whereas science was the how. And so they never really uh, interfered with each other. I was able to appreciate both individually. But as my 
idea of how um, things like morality worked, like it wasn't just a list of rules that you have to follow, it was actually like a system that was like constantly self-improving based on like uh, social contracts that we agreed on. And you didn't need to have a God interfering with that whatsoever. It could just be, hey, we both value being alive and not dead, right? Let's make a law that says we shouldn't murder people, right? Does, can we agree on that? Yeah, you don't need a holy book to tell you that. You could just figure that out through um, secular means. And while I was dealing with that, I was also getting better explanations for the things that I believed in. I was meeting new people. And so like the caricatures of people who didn't have faith or had different faiths than me were no longer just parodies of people, but actual people that I knew. And I realized, whoa, this person's great. They're Muslim. Are you telling me they're going to hell because they don't believe the same way that I do? That doesn't seem like that's fair. That seems like it's wrong. We should probably adjust that. But the holy book says that that's not allowed. And so... Again, just constantly being assaulted with better ideas and explanations for things, not just answers, but actual explanations that I could work with and tangibly dissect, started to make me feel like I was getting more reliable information through secular activities than I was through my religious ones. And so I went through a phase where I said, I'm irreligious or I'm not associated with any denomination. And then after that, I finally just started seeing more things that I was allowing through my filter because I no longer was keeping everyone back but who wasn't Christian. And I started watching more of the atheist experience. I think that was like the biggest one. I started learning more about counter apologetics. I saw the Bill Nye Ken Ham debate and I realized what I thought an atheist was, wasn't what I thought it was. And now I realized, oh, an atheist is just someone who is lacking belief in a God. I think that best describes where I'm at. I need to get comfortable with the A word. And I think I need to let other people kind of understand what I mean when I say the A word. That way I could be to them what that Muslim friend was to me, a person mm. who's representing um, an, a, a personality or a trope that is poorly understood in society. But I understand why I'm an atheist. I understand how I got here. And I think I can express that well enough in a really conversational tone. And I think street epistemology was the last stone in the wall that I needed, or at least the most keystone that I needed, where I just now have a very efficient way to communicate with people about difference in beliefs without getting letting anyone get defensive or argumentative. So that whole transition took about six years for me. And to be honest with you, I'm still transitioning even up to now. I'm still okay. getting used to the concept. But that was more or less it. And as far as me coming out, I was doing research in Sweden at the time. Um, my mom recently fell out of Christianity and became a Jehovah Witness. And so a uh, funny story. So like we would, my mom would take, we moved around a lot. And the only reason why we went to church is so we could have people to help us move to the next place that we needed to move. <laughs> so we would go to a church where we'd roll and like, hey, I'm a, uh, my mom would say her name. She would say me. We would introduce ourselves. And then eventually when we we're ready to move, they'd, they'd pack all our boxes and be like, you'll, you'll see us next Sunday, right? It's like, she's like, yep. And she'd just drive and we'd never see him again. Like that was most of our relationships with the church for the most part. But we did genuinely believe. And uh, at the end, uh, when she came, she, when she fell out of Christianity, became a Jehovah Witness. It gave me the opportunity to say, "Hey, I'm also out of Christianity as well, but I'm not going to join on the Christianity thing. I'm an atheist now." And she was like, yeah, "Okay, I still love you." Like it was, and it was a phone call. It was a brief phone call, and it was a really, okay. really easy discussion. There's still times where she tries to get me to Jehovah Witnesses, but for the most part, she's not. <laughs> for the most part, she doesn't push it very hard, and she respects my decision and even watches my SE videos. She's one of my subscribers. That's it oh, for wow, me. That's very cool. Um, really cool. Something, something that I've always wondered about, and I don't know if you've had the same experience. You're in science, right? In the, right. In the science field, um, you don't really. A lot of people have this assumption that people who are in in science or in technical fields are very critical thinkers and and are probably mm -hmm. mostly atheists. But um, 
me coming from an engineering background, I mean, that hasn't been the case at all. No, it absolutely isn't. You also get a lot of different cultures in science as well. So it's not just one mindset. You just have people from around the world who studied one thing really, really well and are hired by companies to come together and work on that one thing that they're all good at. But there are still people and there's no good substitute for critical thought. A lot of people think that there is, but really, if you don't have critical thought, you're leaving yourself susceptible to being erroneous or using fallacious uh, ideas to support really important claims that you hold to be true. And so a lot of people will come to the field or I've worked with people, not maybe not necessarily at the job that I'm at now, who believed in Krishna, who believed in Shiva, who believed in alternative dimensions, who believed in spirit animals, who were witches. Uh, uh, I've talked with a guy from Iran who was also an atheist. So like you use, you'll, you get the, that kind of contrast as well. It's like, oh, you're from this place. I thought you'd think like this. It's like, no, I don't believe in that. I have good critical thinking skills. So like, yeah. as I said, it's, 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 it's so easy to pigeonhole people into certain perspectives, but really everyone's different. And the main difference is whether they have that critical thinking capability or not. Mm. What I find is really curious um, as well. I remember watching a thing about the LHC, the large Hadron Collider in um, CERN and um, somebody saying that there were over um, 20 um, nationalities working uh, together. Um, and I found it so interesting that people can agree on that, on the science. Mm. It's um, the same results, the same language, and everything kind of fits. But then we get utterly different results when it comes to this, the God idea. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just yeah. really people can wear a bunch of different hats. They can just compartmentalize Hat. and... Oh, whoa! <laughs> Most people in Finland, I guess, uh, are still today Lutheran, Christian people. Uh, it's kind of, uh, people are in the church, I think, a lot. We hear it a lot. It's in a lot of conversation that it's uh, due to tradition and stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, for me... What were I the still, labels that you... I'm sorry, what were the labels that you used? Did you say Christian, Lutheran? Yeah, it's like the Lutheran Church of Finland. Yeah, basically Christian. Christian. Okay. Protestantism. Oh, right. Okay. right. Yeah. Good to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, we didn't speak that much about religion at home. Um, my parents would never involve God in, in any kind of like explanation for existence or um, uh, or like... Anything. We've had a, a house with encyclopedias and uh, science and um, asking good questions and, and researching stuff is kind of how I remember it. Um, still, I always found it really strange that this thing was found it really strange that this thing was looming. And I had friends at school that had uh, um, ideas about God. And uh, um, I found it really, really confusing um, for the longest time and kind of like was, well, maybe I'm not equipped, maybe not I'm. I'm not smart enough to understand uh, all the things about um, uh, um, God, uh, whatever that may be. I remember then getting a bit older and trying to find like, well, what is this God? What's the definition? Mm. And then being surprised that there were like lots of different definitions. And I didn't really think that the definitions were that good. And I couldn't understand how people thought that they were very clear. So I didn't really know what it was that people were saying that they believe in to begin with. Uh, was something I struggled with a lot. Then, of course, um, when you're 15 year, years old, as a when you are 
because I was baptized, I was a member of the church as a kid, uh, purely for this tradition thing, you get, you go to confirmation and it's like this one week long camp thing and it's a great event and all your friends go and it's like the first time you're like 15, 14, 15 years old and you're away from home and everybody now goes on at these camps and it's like the best time of your life. You're supposed to sneak out at night, you're supposed to do bad stuff and like have discos and stuff together. Um, boys and girls, you know, um, away from home. So I was well, like, uh, yeah, and I didn't want to give that up. Um, uh, so I decided to go on the, and you can go on the camp without co confirming yourself because the idea is that you're supposed to have like Bible studies during the day and then you can make up your mind and then confirm yourself after that week. Well, I went on the, the whole uh, experience and had a great time and uh, snuck out at night and went and had bonfires by the lake uh, and all that good stuff. Also, I paid a lot of attention during the Bible studies and asked a lot of questions. And I think I was a genuine like pain in the ass to the priest <laughs> that was there. But he also kind of like, um, I don't know, I think he kind of liked it. Um, so, <laughs> like the questions and all that like he was a, a sure. funny kind of priest he wasn't like oh, I think upset. he was just sick of those glazed glazed over little <laughs> eyes tearing back at him and I'm like, well, tell me more about this like i'm not getting it um and at the end of it i wasn't convinced and I even told the priest there that i don't think this makes sense at all like um to me and his explanations weren't good to me then of course came the time to do the confirmation thing and there i remember i told my parents that i don't believe in this like after this week, I really, really think that they're like, um, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me um, uh, whatsoever. And uh, and uh, so my parents were like, well, do you want to confirm yourself or don't you? And, uh, oh. and, and there's like this big party thing. And, um, and so, like a bunch of, there's like a bunch uh, of regalia, there's like party, it's like your events, right? Yeah, and it's like the biggest event for like a 14, 15 year old. It's like all the relative come, relatives come, you get big presents, you get lots of money. It's the first time you get like money as a present kind of thing. Um, Can you explain uh, just the, the, the confirmation? What does that mean exactly? Mm, you good point. have to put on like this you go to a church, you put on a white um, thing. I'm calling a white dress. <laughs> oh man, that wasn't even. Yeah. <laughs> And then you're supposed to say, oh, and during the camp, you let these verses by heart or these prayers. One of the prayers is that I believe in God, Father. I don't know how it is in English. Um, there is an English version of it uh, for sure. Um, like that I believe in God and the Father and the Son, this bread and daily bread stuff. Um, and you're supposed to learn those by heart and then you're supposed to recite these during the confirmation and kind of like you have your first, what's it called with the bread and the wine? Eucharist. Uh, communion? Com what? Communion? Oh. Yeah. Communion. Did you say Eucharist? Yeah, I think that's a like proper um, name that the Catholics give it. Okay, okay, okay. This is sounding mighty Catholic now. I've never <laughs> on these traditions that they seem so like everyday here. Would you could you um, ask again how your parents reacted to you uh, saying that you you didn't want to be confirmed or um, no I just said that I didn't believe if you see because I wanted to get confirmed because I wanted to have the party and get the party. Oh, you know I'm a 14 15 year old girl um, so I just told them that I don't believe and I was kind of like asking them is it okay that I confirm myself if I don't believe that was basically how I remember it <laughs> and, and, and then they said, let you skirt past that. They said if you Skirt. want to. You can't do skirt oh, twice. 
<laughs> you can't do squirt twice. Did we get you on squirt? No, we didn't. I get that point. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> uh, do I get anything for this skirt then? No. Oh, oh, you stinker. No, you stinker. All right. So you get two points from me. Because in, in Finland, if you to, um, like, what's it called? Resign yourself from the church. Like, not be a member of the church and you're underage. You have to have your parents' permission for it. And my parents said that if you do want to do that now, we will give the permission for it. You can do it. Oh, wow. Um, and after that, and they said, you can do whatever you want to. It's perfectly fine. If you want to have the party, it's fine. Like, it's it's no big deal kind of thing. And then I thought about it and I thought, well, of course I want to have the presents and the party and all that. But I was struggling with the whole, like, I don't believe and I really don't want to say in a church that I believe in this God. So my solution to this at 14 years old was that I would just move my lips and not say it. Mm, oh, sneaky. But mm. how would you actually go about letting people know? That you're an atheist. I mean, like, how yeah, long can you like, pretend? And at that, and then I, then I actually felt really bad about that whole thing, and kind of felt like a, like I kind of sold my <laughs> self, kind of like, yeah, I, I felt kind of bad after that. And then I decided that okay, when I'm 18 years old, I'm going to go to the, um, to the office where I get to write myself out of the church. I'm going to do that myself on my birthday, and that will make up for the fact that I said I that I moved my lips and I went through these motions, even though I didn't believe. And my parents knew that I did exactly that. There's so much haberdashery going on. <laughs> haberdashery, is that a, a clothing line? Maybe, maybe, you'd have to look it up. Are you gonna call it or not? If you if you miss it, I'm docking you a point. I don't know if it's a clothing line or not. <laughs> I call it, damn it, I'll um, call it, damn it. I'll... Out of the church officially. No. Um, um, in wow. Finland, it wasn't it wasn't like a big deal to tell that to people and I thought that was really great it felt like okay so now I am an adult and now I've done it myself and for me it was like a, a, a an important thing to be honest at least at 18 years old which I couldn't be when I was 14 mm. or 15. Um, I think it's better for you to do it that way I mean I, I don't like how the system's set up for your religious by mm. default did yeah. you have to like, is that how it works? Like, when you're born, you're automatically put into the church, like Kristen into the church? And then... Your parents uh, put you. Um, mm. Also, uh, yeah, there was this thing where my brother was um, had a complications when he was born. So he was emergency baptized. Oh, wow. Why? Okay. I yeah. And I think that's more like if the parents have the belief or the belief of the baby not having the soul or that the soul needs to be saved. But I think I really have to talk to my parents again about that because I don't know what they think. Of, I, I kind of always thought idiotically that you get baptized just so you get your name into the church registry. But it sort of, but it sort of sets you up where you have a disguise and then you're now like... Disguise? Is that clothes? Those are clothes. I don't know. Am I disguising myself? Is that a verb? <laughs> How did I say it? I don't know. Disguise. You have like a front and I don't know if a front's a word. <laughs> but you like you are basically putting yourself more pressure on yourself to get out than it did to get in and you're put in at a point where you did like the intellectual capacity to say oh oh this is where i'm at this is you know like putting put in mm -hmm. as a baby is rough because of that yeah uh, and to have to sign your name on a piece of paper i guess in like some sort of like a public setting or do i have to actually go through that effort just to get mm -hmm. out of religion seems yeah, can like you imagine if, if you were 
the day you're born, you're registered as a Republican or a Democrat, for example. Yeah, mm. that's what I just think about. that's ridiculous. Yeah, true, true point there. Yeah, and then coming out to like family and friends, it's never been an issue. I think everybody kind of knew that I didn't believe, so it wasn't mm. a big thing. I think um, it's a really delicate situation. People, people are more like they whenever this comes up, they give me kind of it feels like. It's like they start explaining why they still are members of the church, like um, giving reasons as to why it's still okay to be members of the church, even though it's all um, BS. Mm. Like justifying their membership to me. Sure. It goes that way in my experience, it goes that way in my experience more here. Okay. That was my story. Very cool. What would you say yeah. was the biggest fallout, like emotionally, from doing it? Was there a, was there more stress put on you than there was like on your family mm. members or anything like that? No, there's no stress uh, at that moment. Oh, and then I could, of course, continue. This is like from the church. This is from the biblical uh, teachings and the church. Then in my early twenties, I kind of got into the whole. But maybe there's something just more that all these scientists haven't figured out yet and um, that uh, this kind of like energy thing and maybe um, we shouldn't call it God but there should there could be something like this fuzzy mm. type spiritual thinking and that got quite heavy um, around uh, around my 30s um, mm. to where I was quite heavy into the philosophies of the secret if you've seen the movie mm. the book LA you know uh and that you know what getting away from that was difficult and uh shocking to myself that i could um be a <laughs> <laughs> and, and um and uh yeah that was really difficult for me to to kind of figure out how lost i was and to Did you even know what a relative was at that point in time, or was it just no. a kind of a philosophy that made sense to you? No, yeah, I thought it kind of like made sense. I was like, well, maybe this is like the groundbreaking, you know, thing that people just haven't detected properly mm. before. Like, I mean, if we create our own reality, man, <laughs> like all the yep. science like stuff is just going to come up whichever way you think about it. Can I just throw okay, out something? This is like, I'm trying to get back to how I was thinking then. Can I throw out something was, on top? Yes. Can I throw out something on top? Uh, mm -hmm. I think what's really interesting about Linda's situation was, unlike mine, where I had to learn critical thinking first in order to have a capacity to undo all of like my upbringing, you sort of like found a way there naturally and I think are now discovering the critical aspects of it now at this part. Mm -hmm. So I think it's cool that there's different ways of converting out of religion you know mm -hmm. even some that are diametrically opposed from each yes. other like, like even, even though i can be skeptical and critical towards some um ideas and beliefs there are others that i have a harder time of being skeptical and critical towards mm. um and like i'm not immune to having like poor judgment and by uh, like wanting so badly for something to be true because it yeah. makes life so much easier which oh, that yeah, kind of philosophy was like um presenting a, a solution um um so That's, yeah so i think that was, so yeah a point that i would like to make now is that the whole critical thinking and skepticism critical thinking skills is something that i'm learning and i've started to learn when i kind of 
realized that my thinking was completely off. Like it was so off. It was painful. And then I kind of like had to put myself together and go like, well, how do I make sense of this now? And critical thinking was that solution. And that's something that I still work on today, every day. And the more I do SC, the more I realize I'm not as critical as I thought I was and not as smart as I thought I was. And uh, I need to work on that every day. And I'm really Thank thankful you. for it. Very mm. cool. Now, I'm not that familiar. I'm not an expert or anything. So I'm talking a bit off the cuff here, but uh, you know, people's perception of Scandinavia is uh, <laughs> it's just so secular. No, let him have one. have one, you monster. <laughs> you I'm, I'm not even on the board yet. Yeah, you you know you are. Anyway. Anyway, mind have to get a little permission slip from their parents to leave the church. So that's that's very enlightening. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, and I think that there can be a lot of like pressure, just like stay in it for the tradition thing or for like that. Yeah, a weird contextual issue because like, how do I put it? Most people still don't know what being an atheist is. So, but most people, even though most people don't really know what being a christian is like all the tenets of their holy book there's a feeling good sensation of what it means to be a christian but not so much that kind is a layer thing oh good i'll let you have that i didn't know what i was saying um <laughs> oh but, and actually yeah, i like, have one one quick memory just of uh so kind of, one quick memory just of uh so i was just saying really... disadvantage there but yeah. uh, really good friends when I told her, like, because I had, we don't believe in God, but don't call yourself an, self an atheist. It's just yeah. a really bad look. Like, yeah. It's know, like, it's like running or like. That word kind of. Advice. I mean, it's like, what is it? It's like if I said I was on a diet or if I said I was running or if I said I like carrots, like something innocuous is that. Most people don't care, but it's when you use that A word that makes people start doing the judgment call. So, like, it's hard. Where I'm, at, where I'm at right now is getting comfortable saying the A word in front of people. And and so I, I think it's still a transition period, even up, even when you have completely made the transition, there's still areas where you try to get more comfortable in, whether it's the critical thinking aspect or the terminology aspect, maybe even both. Mm. No, no, I mean, there shouldn't be any pressure for anybody to, to adopt the label. You know, you need to do it when it exactly. suits you. But um, it, it's, it's very... A beneficial thing to do because like you said it, it just makes it so much easier for somebody who might not even have considered this who might be having doubts and might feel completely isolated because of it if they see that one person who says listen i doubt this i don't subscribe to this claim and it might just make them feel a, a lot better mm. and mm. i guess what we're all trying to do with street epistemology is just figure out a reliable way to make sure that we've made or have arrived to the most reasonable conclusion and that's that's why it's good to continue is basically a system of segregation and if anybody doesn't know if anybody was living under a rock and i've never heard of apartheid in south africa uh, apartheid ended when i was nine years old um wow. but wow in effect it didn't really end where as far as i'm concerned in terms of uh, how i was living um you know my entire of all what 12 years that i spent in school i was in a school where it was only white kids it was not even just only white kids; it was only african speaking white kids so it's literally like five percent of the population in south africa are african speaking white people but i was only among those people um and uh 
the block where I grew up in, you know, all and also just Afrikaans people, you'd have one English family. And I think it was a complete shock to everybody when the first black family moved in. So uh, we were very, very isolated uh, in, in that regard. And uh, part of the Afrikaans culture is it's, it's very, very conservative. And also uh, we've got this, this strong Protestant base. So, and even, even there it's, it's conservative Protestantism. So the church I went to, uh, you know, they actually had us, took us on a little field trip to like a charismatic uh, kind of what, what do you call it? Baptist church, you know, where people stand up and sing and actually enjoy it when they go to church. And they had showed us this and said, you know, look at these guys. They're not serving Jesus in the right way. This is supposed to be fun. So, uh, yeah, it was just um, like that. And uh, I was very, very religious. Uh, kind of, you know, saving myself for marriage, that type of thing. And, and that ended up having a, a major impact on my life. Uh, when I was 18, I met a girl and we started dating. And eventually, when after two years of dating, we ended up having sex. And for me, that was a very, very big deal coming from, from the background that I had. Uh, because sex, especially in, in the conservative Afrikaans, uh, culture is kind of like the taboo sin that you can, the worst thing you can kind of do is to have premarital sex. So um, immediately after, or the day after, you know, I was freaking out. It was just to me, I did this terrible, terrible thing. And uh, I got this idea that if I don't make this right, uh, I'm probably going to go to hell for it. Mm. So... At that point, I, I convinced myself, okay, it's cool. We can still save this. Uh, so what I need to do is I need to make sure that this is the girl I marry. So at 19 years old, I decided, oh, okay, cool. you just had sex. So now you're going to marry this girl. Um, so at that point in time, you know, it's not, it's, it's a young relationship. You know, it's not something where you can be that serious and they will really like issues, but stuck it out and uh yeah for six years we we were together after that and it's if anybody hears this and if anybody is a similar situation um don't don't make the mistake i made it's it's really unfair to yourself it's really unfair to the person you're in a relationship with uh when you have relationships it should be based on something real something that that means something to you if you just go on on something as stupid as I don't want to go to hell or I think I'm, I did something wrong, you know, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt the, the person who you're in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. So um, the thing that, that kind of started getting me out, and it's really stupid, but <laughs> it was when I read uh, the Da Vinci Code. And in the Da Vinci Code, they talk about, you know, the secret history of Jesus and... Uh, he actually was married and he had kids. And just that idea already started to get like those gears turning in my head where I said, wow, that's that's actually, that's so cool. This idea of that, you know, suddenly um, women aren't as lowly as, as I always saw the Bible portray them. And I thought this would be very cool if it was true. And I really just, the idea resonated with me. So I kind of started tailoring my my own brand of christianity um mm. stopped 
you know, believing in certain aspects of it, stopped worrying so much about things, uh, said, you know, oh, don't worry about this creation story. That's just a, a, a metaphor for how things happen. And it actually fits very well if you look at the model of the Big Bang and all that. But slowly but surely, you know, I started peeling back the layers almost of, of what I was believing. And eventually, you know, at that point where the relationship ended, I and I realized what I did to myself by, by having that mindset. That was kind of just the last straw. So I said, listen, I don't really, this, this, this hasn't been a, a positive thing in my life. It doesn't really scored me anything. It's actually done me a lot of harm. So I'm going to distance myself from it. And I think it took me a while to really come to terms of, of being an atheist per se. But um, like you said, it's this kind of this progression where you just need to open your eyes and, and go through it. Something which, which I think was really instrumental is, uh, you know, the university type setting, uh, starting your life afterwards, getting, uh, moving to a different town. That's just breaking away from uh, the, not the culture per se, but just the, uh, the group of people around you really allows you to to do kind of that introspection where you don't have somebody who's constantly reinforcing the belief so yeah um i only really in the last two years became very interested in atheism uh started watching you know atheist videos online that type of thing uh this year well when i discovered anthony's videos and started getting interested in in ac at that kind of I liked it because the idea of getting active was to, well, I wanted to do something and that seemed to me like a good way of uh, being an activist, but in a positive way without necessarily, yeah. you know, attacking people, that type of stuff. And uh, like that, that played an instrumental role in me actually being comfortable with, with using the label atheist. Because uh, what I immediately did is I looked for communities in South Africa that actually do atheists or are atheists and i found this south african secular society uh awesome group of people and uh to the i went to one of their meetups uh brianna went with me it was an awesome awesome experience met a guy there uh, named rick and he he actually said that that part that i said that it's so important to to be open about being atheist because you might make it so much easier for somebody else to then also be honest with themselves and be willing to to face this this reality and uh what i did then is i made my very first openly atheist facebook post which uh it didn't go off badly but the very next day i got to work could, could i ask um, what it said could I ask what it said like what what was the nature of the post itself um <clears throat> it was it was actually more about street epistemology where i said you know uh, I'm going to have these conversations and I actually posted the blog I wrote for uh, the street epistemology website and mm -hmm. that kind of makes it clear you know that was a, a really nice a blog thing. by the way I love oh, that thank you. your writing is really lovely Stella so uh so one of my colleagues read that and uh I actually before before that day I or before that day I told you no, I don't believe in God. He invited me to a prayer group. 
And I told him, you know, I don't believe in God, but I'll, I'll join your prayer group just, you know, kind of to show um, unity to support you guys because the company was going through a difficult uh, time of, in that time. So he knew I, I didn't believe in God, but as soon as I used the, the label atheist, that really bugged him. Like he, he came to me and said, man, Ben, uh, can I take you to lunch? Let's talk about this. I'm very worried about you. He so trying to drag just, you down? Was he trying to drag you back into the faith? Not, not really. It's just, it, I just realized how much baggage that label has. Um, it was to him, you know, to say, I don't believe in God. I don't know if he still thought, you know, but actually Ben knows in his heart that Jesus exists or, or something like that. But um, that, when I went for the label, that, that really bothered him. Mm. Um, not long after that, I spoke to my parents about it. And also, I, I didn't never try to hide that I, I didn't believe in God. And at that point, you know, it's been a couple of years since I, to myself, decided I don't believe in this. But we kind of had the talk where I just sat them around the table and said to them, listen, guys, I'm an atheist and I am going to get involved in the atheist movement. I'm going to make these videos. These are the reasons I decided to to start doing this. And uh, they were actually, their reaction was very good. Um, okay. I can't ask for anything more. And it was very emotional. Um, mm. My dad kind of felt that. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. But, but, it but is. My, my dad felt, you know, he, he failed me in a way. You know, he, he kind of felt that um, it's his fault. He didn't. But he didn't instill the right amount of faith in me. And I uh, <laughs> used some advice that good old Matt Delahanty once shared on the atheist experience, where I told him, listen, guys, this isn't because of something you did. Uh, you really, you you brought me up right. Um, this is my own decision. And if, if your God uh, wants to bring me back into the fold, He'll do it. It's it's on on him. It's not on your shoulders. Right. It's not your job to try and change my mind. You have you have done your part in terms of what you should do, and uh, I I really hope that uh, that did comfort him. It, it seemed to at the time. Um, but what was very the only very negative thing that I I got out of that conversation is uh, my mom shared with me that she is very afraid of hell. Mm, so same uh, like you she's in the same yeah. position yeah yeah I and mean, also but living with it for a much longer time yeah so sympathize with that absolutely it's and it's and something... also from a parent's perspective that means that for her the the fear of you um going to hell is yeah can be even worse than her own fear fear of her going to hell yes so it's it's something which kind of just reaffirmed to me why it is important to to be active uh, to right. try and make a difference because uh, people have this idea that I know um, let people believe what they want it really maybe it, it gives them some comfort maybe it it soothes them in, in times of difficulty but uh, religious belief can have negative effects on people and it, it's important that we recognize that and are open to helping people who are mm -hmm. in positions like that I think it's, it's really interesting that I think of the two stories that we gave 
we were focused on ourselves so much, but like you see not only from the freedom that you had from leaving your faith, what was left behind and the people who are still in that position. Like you got out of this place of fear and guilt. Well, when you look back, it's your loved ones that are in that same place. And it's yeah. hard because do you feel like you could ever get back into their mindset again? Like, could you choose to do that? Or do you feel like it's a kind of impossible now until you have no, a good I, reason I to get there? I don't yeah, think it's so possible. Like, yeah. like you, but you want to be able to be helping them from their perspective or from their side. Oh, of the yeah, absolutely. But it, it's it's one of those things that you're diametrically unable to do because you can't choose what you believe. There's a lot of there's a lot of parallels between this and like when people come out as being gay. I was talking to a friend about that who was gay and was just saying like, hey, um, I'm part of like this you know like light atheist activist movement and the the statistics between kids who um, uh, like commit suicide or feel anxiety or depressed coincide with those who identify as being homosexual and those that identify with being an atheist. So I think it's good that we let, you know, people know about this. Um, is there any advice that you would give? Maybe we can just go around real quick before we crack up in that vault to anyone who's I, I come out or been out it. I had oh, a thought. Um, also, I just recently watched, yesterday I watched uh, the Talk Heathen show, and mm. there was a caller on the show called Max who also was very, very afraid of um, hell. Mm. And um, then today I was reading about um, negativity uh, bias and uh, positive, what is it called? Now I just have my cards here. Optimism bias and negativity bias. And... Um, Mm, kind of like the negativity bias, as I've understood it, is, has stuck around in our brains because, like, as cavemen, when we were, like, outside of the a cave and we were, like, picking berries and then you can hear something in the bushes, uh, it was much more benef beneficial for you to just get, get out of there, to stop picking the berries and just leave. Okay. Um, so the kind of fight and flight um, response. No uh, combats part yeah is, is very very strong and uh the negativity bias that our brain kind of like would rather uh, when we think when we remember something negative it sticks around a lot lot longer and it makes um it much the negativity bias makes it hard for us to let go of those really negative um um uh, memories and ideas and i think hell kind of like fits into that kind of thing where it's really hard to let it go because it's such a traumatic idea although I've understood that when you um, study things like biases what I'm trying to say now I'm not a, doing a very good job of it I'm trying to wrap it up now when you study your brain how we learn things how we um how we are, we have this like quick side of the brain that's kind of more primitive that will like think that hell is real and it's such a bad idea so I'm going to stick to that idea um, to, say, to save myself, kind of like the Pascal's wager, that that could be something that our brain is doing um, that we can override, again, with our slower brain, with our prefrontal cortex and um, thinking about it and just being aware of the negativity bias. So for anybody who's scared of hell, my suggestion would be to read up about the negativity bias, also the optimism bias. Mm. They're kind of like different sides of the same kind of coin. Uh, to learn more about our brains, how we think and how ideas stick. Because I think when we see the illusion, we can then kind of like override the illusion. 
Okay. Oh, Ben, you might, you muted oh, ben. your microphone. Okay. Oh, Ben, you might, you muted oh, ben. your microphone. One last oh, technical issue. There we you. go. Hey. Super, super important. And it's going to be unfair in a way, but what you need to try and keep in mind is that uh, the people you come out to might have a very negative response. And that doesn't necessarily come out of a bad place. It doesn't necessarily mean that they, they really reject you, but it's literally just the belief that they are brought up in. So you might have to take some abuse. You might have to swallow it. But um, at the end of the day, you need to try it and be the bigger person, um, see where it's coming from, and know that that person, even though it might not seem at it at the time, uh, when you do come out and they do tell you terrible things and they do tell you you might be going to hell or something like that, um, that person still loves you and that person is going to want to mend those bridges. So try and, and limit the damage as much as you can, but uh, keep the communication channels open as well. Mm. And I would say you, there, I respect like that first black family that you're talking about that moved into the neighborhood that you're discussing, because there's parallels with that as well. You kind of just want to be present and demonstrate just through your own upstanding nature, what a person that like that is called you looks like. So like if someone calls yeah. me an atheist and I'm behaving well, I'm having friends and I can tell jokes and I can relate with people on various levels and I exercise good communication skills and use SE to enhance those abilities, that it that defeats the idea of what an atheist was in their head. And I think it's valuable to have that. So don't try to keep it separate and do it in a safe place. If you can't do it at all, that's understandable. But if you can, you can make it not a big deal by just demonstrating, not by like, you know, you know, uh, confronting people and telling them, hey, I'm an atheist, deal with it. But like, just saying, hey, this is where I'm at. And just continue living the good life that you are right now. Um, it has a great billboard. It has a great advertisement, has a great impact. Linda, what do you think? Yeah, I think living the good, uh, loving atheist life is a, a, it's a good idea. <laughs> and to, yeah. Cool. Beautiful. All right. You guys think we're good to wrap up? Yeah. Yay! Okay. My cat's in the bedroom going like, where are you? All right. Um, let me uh do one last thing. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Come on. Where is it? All right. We're opening up the vault. Looks like we're good. Did it make a sound? I didn't hear a sound. <laughs> where is it? Oh. <laughs> We, From the top. We'll do this real quick. Linda got hats, one point. Then I called out label. Label was a design company or like label clothes. Then uh, Linda called looming, but she didn't. She said looming, but she didn't call it. So I, just, didn't, I didn't know it was yeah. anything to do with clothes. So I'm not taking that point. You did okay. Okay, that's fair. And then but you, uh, you can get the point for for calling it. I reckon. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I called regalia. Uh, when you were talking about the parties and then white dress i took that from you but then you caught me on stinker with skirt and that left the current score with linda three ty one ben zero then we started going to overdrive ben called me on haberdashery linda called me on disguise and then i put out delicate situation delicate situation so delicate <laughs> that's the point come on it then i also threw up uh can i throw something out on top of linda score linda five Ben four or Ben three tie four. We're this is very very close. Then we went to Ben's story, 
And at that point, I said, hey, is your friend kind of dragging you back or tra dragging you down or driving you back to his uh, religion? Drag is a kind of clothes. Then uh, Ben called out true. baggage. But you know what? I don't know. But he called out Taylor. I didn't call baggage, though. Ben, you didn't call baggage. But I think you oh. said you didn't call it. I'm sorry. We're going to stick to the points. You did call out Taylor, though. I'll give you Taylor. Ben with one point. Ty then did one last Hail Mary throw with no combats. Combats are kind of closed at Millsware. I said that to uh, Linda. And I think that left the final score. Linda, five. Yeah. Ty, six. Ben, four. Ooh. That was a bloodbath. That was a bloodbath. At, at the last second, I was able to get that one last point. So congratulations well, to everybody well, well, well. on that one. That was incredible. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, that gives uh, Happy Humans one point. Woohoo! Leaves Casual Canines with one point. Casual Canines. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> and then Nordic Neckos with one point now. Meow. That I went to Knoxville, Tennessee to give. I keep saying Knoxville, Kentucky. My geography skills are terrible. But if you have a chance to check it out, I'll put a link in the comic books uh, in this video of that talk. And um, I just basically give an outline of how I see SC. There's a lot of good video, a lot of good feedback. And eventually, I'm going to post the question and answer sessions. Please check that out when you have a chance. Um, who's taking the final word? Oh, or Linda, you get next choice. Are you taking the final word? Or I'm gonna... taking the final word. Then Ben, time to shamelessly plug yourself, baby. I'm not going to shamelessly plug myself. I'm going to shamelessly plug somebody else. All so, right. Uh, there's a new street epistemologist who I think really needs some more love. Uh, Gannon from Street Socratics. Uh, Google Street Socratics. He's on Twitter. He's on YouTube. And he's making some really good content. Uh, this yeah. week, he actually had a video where he spoke to a professor of philosophy, which is just hilarious. So, and she was very into it. So it was a nice plot to us. So check out Gannon's channel. It's definitely worthwhile. Cool. Very cool. I will do oh, that. Charitable, shameless plug. You got to say, and <laughs> check them out. <laughs> Shamelessly. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll leave it up to final word before we break it out. My final word is stay curious. That was shameless. Um, study <laughs> up on... <laughs> Study up on uh, your biases, the brain, human psychology, why we do what we do. Very, very cool. And so our final closing uh, outro will be um, I'm with rubber and glue. And we'll see you next time on the League of SE Reviewers. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.